Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two of this unhinged special guest special 100th episode. It has been so fun, so great. If you are listening to this first, you need to just stop what you're fucking doing and go and listen to the first episode, part one. It is a banger, if I do say so myself. And with that, Kelsey, where are we picking up this episode here? Uh, everyone's favorite segment, Living in Shondaland. Living in Shondaland! Wow. Megan, was it just as good in person? As- that was, I'm, I'm honestly a little breathless. Like, it's so powerful <laughs> live. I don't think the other listeners, like, understand the energy that Carmen brings to this most special segment of the podcast. That's sacred. It's, it's a sacred moment. It's amazing. It's everyone's favorite these, for a reason. These <laughs> hallowed grounds. It's a good jingle. It is. Nails I, it every time. I don't remember. What don't the either. fuck were we doing? <laughs> Just like when I did it, you're just being you. Oh, That's yeah. just who you are as a person. It was so long ago. I'll have to re-listen to the whole podcast to find out. But I'll message you I on Instagram re- and tell you. I need to re-listen to my own podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I is it more efficient to listen to the podcast or to watch these episodes at one point five speed? I don't actually know. No Probably shame. I re-listen to my own podcast constantly because I think I'm a fucking delight to listen to. So. Absolutely. I listen to ours mainly because I ha- I need to refresh on what Carmen has predicted because sometimes they are they really stick with me and sometimes I'm like I know it was something silly and a lot of times it's like oh I know he predicted it almost right so I just have to listen again to get the details of the almost I'm still Um, waiting for when Ellis uh not Ellis when Thatcher rides in on a horse in the middle of the hallway and for to battle Richard (laughs) to battle Richard over Ellis's honor um (laughs) We do have uh, shout out Alicia, one of our great friends and fans who has made a spreadsheet that she shares with a Google Doc on a Google Doc with us of what Carmen has predicted in the episode for the future. And it's wildly incredible. <laughs> Wait, I've never seen this. She sent it to it's, us. Maybe well, she just sent wait, it to me. But I, don't I think, think she so. just sent it to you. Oh, maybe she maybe she did. Yeah. You know, I, I, I bet mean, she did. because she, she sends- sent it to the Gray's email. Yeah, if she like sends a spreadsheet of your correct predictions, I think that would no, give the game away. They're just the predictions. Oh, just all of them. Okay. Like in this episode, Carmen predicted this. Well, now that I know this, Alicia, I'm going to need to just start making more out of the box predictions just to keep you on your toes. Do it. Um, prophesy, witch, right now. I, I prophesy that Richard will actually murder Adele in an episode. Oh, no. Yes, um, it's going to get dark. It's going to be the I Halloween say- episode. I do remember that Carmen um, was adamant that the wedding was not going to be in this episode, which I just found so funny because I was like, obviously it is because it's the hundredth episode. They have yeah. to do a big thing. Like obviously the wedding's going to be in the you 100th were, you episode. You were very he was adamant. Like, no, I believe no. that like the wedding was going to be the finale this season. But like, mm-hmm. if we could jump into predictions early, if the wedding's now, what the hell is the finale? Wait, the wedding wasn't now. Meredith and Derek didn't get married. Uh, I meant like the church fancy, like the wedding, you know, Izzy's perfect day, the perfect wedding that we've been building up 27. It's going to be the finale. It's still going to be the finale. I'm going to double down on this. He doubles. He does that. Okay. Hold on. We're still in Shondaland people. You heard it. Real actual wedding in the finale. Legal and everything. Uh, um, Okay. One person. Fuck. One (laughs) person. 
Um, it's it's the valedictorian. It's got to be. It, it's not. Do you want us? I'll give you one more one more guess. Okay, hold on. Let me think about this. Um, is it one of the dead kids? It's not. Can I guess? <laughs> yes, you can guess. It's me. I'm directing Bridgerton next season. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, is it? Is it the one kid that lives? No. Oh man. No, that's that's what I said. That was the, the valedictorian. Oh, that was. A, I don't listen um, when you talk either. Oh boy. See, no, it's okay. a carbon problem. <laughs> <laughs> that was spiteful, Megan. She did that on purpose. <laughs> um, who the fuck else was in this? This show? was. Oh no, nope, I got it? it. It was the what? officiant. Yes. Nice. <laughs> as soon as I was like, who the fuck else was different in this yeah. episode? He's the officiant. I, was, I will say, I was a little perturbed with Yonda. Because that was a lot of people's IMDb's for me to suss through for it to only be one of them. <laughs> I was not thrilled. Um, but his name is Mickey Maxwell, which is an incredible mm. name. Uh, he played the minister. He was in one episode of Scandal and one episode of Private Practice. And it is an mm. episode of Private Practice we have not yet come to. Okay. For anyone who is curious where I'm at in Private Practice, I have not... <laughs> excuse me. I have not passed... The crossovers. the crossovers. So I have, yeah. I have literally not even had. I when I tell you that I don't have a single second of my life that is not yeah. planned out in every single day. I'm not October joking. October has I, been wild. October <laughs> is nuts. But I will say, I want to take a second to shout out our friend Megan here because um, we were we started. I think I was in Scandal. And then you started watching Scandal, and you passed me so <laughs> I fucking you. quick. I watched so Scandal quick. twice. Shut up. Oh, my gosh. I was like, you're nuts. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, But, you know, God, God bless your soul because you were Megan knows um, how to binge like a normal person. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But you didn't spoil anything. So and I have I literally have two screens. So I always have like work here and entertainment here. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's I too much. I've gotten all the Grey's Anatomy five times. My my adult ADHD could not handle it. I'd be like, uh, uh, uh. I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't retain any information. Uh, but shout out to you because you were like, you, once you got to a certain point where you knew I was, you 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 backed off and you didn't. Uh, yeah, um, she you started no longer, messaging me separately about you it directly. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for that. Kelsey got like a special street like. Kelsey would wake up in the morning and have like 50 messages from me being like, <laughs> Attorney General David Rosen. Because my I go to bed when Megan like starts watching television. Yeah. yeah. Um, because of both the time difference and the fact that I have to be asleep all of the time. Yeah. Uh, so I would wake up and be like, what has Megan experienced while I was asleep? Oh, goodness. Um, and I'm okay. sure there were times where you actually got a message from Megan farther than I was and then you would get a message from me and it's like okay Carmen is like nowhere near yeah, how like, has this happened and well and then you just stopped watching it for a long time uh, I, know it was I did not stop fault. watching yeah <laughs> Jessica's fault Jessica's fault okay so we're gonna talk about this because we have a lot to cover in this episode so first let's talk about um Callie in Arizona because I love this storyline so much um, Good and I think they line. do an excellent job with this one so basically what has happened is Callie is Uh, has picked up a shift and she stayed at the hospital and we get like some exposition from Christina who comes in and she's like, you wanted to take the peds surgeon to our house and have sex. So I slept here so that you could have the house to yourself. And Callie's like, Oh, I didn't feel like it. And then we later learned why, but um, 
so she's like having a hard time. Obviously she jinxes the ER and curses all the children to death. And then mm-hmm. kills the um, bus driver. He has a stroke in the middle everybody. of everybody, not a, the semi driver. The semi driver. Uh, and so then Arizona is like hounding her all, all episode. Like, I don't understand like what happened. I thought everything was fine and you were acting all weird and Callie's blowing her off. She's like, I don't want to talk about it. Like it's like nothing happened. Nothing was weird. Every, I just wasn't feeling it. Whatever. I love the ER. ER is so great. Can't get enough. Um, and then, uh, like Arizona comes back at one point and she's like, you know what? Maybe this is just a fling and it's run his course. And Callie's like, yeah, maybe it has, um, which is a bummer. And then finally, Arizona like does not let this go. And honestly, props to her because it's kind of how it works out. It's because she pushes so hard that Callie finally like tells her the truth. Um, but she comes back for like the 18th time and it's like, I am hurt that you have done this to me. And that's when Callie explains, like, I am a poor person now. And like, I like, we are no longer in the same place in, in like financially. So when we go out to have a nice dinner, like I have to do girl math, (laughs) bank (laughs) math and figure out if I can even eat any food here. Um, and it's, I really like how they play it and I really like the resolution. Um, but it's kind of just reemphasizing what they were talking about a little bit the last couple episodes about how, you know, her family has cut her off in every single way possible. Yes. So Callie is a hugely important character to me personally. Um, and back eight months ago, when Kelsey and I first started talking about having me on the podcast, <laughs> I sent her a list of like, I'd love to be here for this, 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 or this. And I'm so glad that the schedule's lined up for this, but my other choices were uh, Callie and Han sleeping together for the first time, (laughs) Erica Han leaving, Callie confronting her dad, uh, and this wedding episode, because I started watching Grey's Anatomy when I was going to school at Brigham Young University. And for those of you who don't know, that is a Mormon-run school, (laughs) because I grew up in Utah Valley, Utah. And as part of being a student at BYU, you sign this really strict moral honor code that -hmm. includes no same-sex relations at all. So, like, Mm. obviously, if I even started talking about the feelings I was going through as, like, a young queer woman, it could get me kicked out of school. And I really wanted to get to the BYU animation program. So I was like, you know what? Just don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. I'll deal with it later. School first, life later, because that worked out so great for Dana. <laughs> um, and so I started Becca? watching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> while I was in school. It was recommended to me by my sister, who's amazing. She's like an RN and a super cool. She works in the neonatal ward being a baby nurse. Anyway. Oh, boy. And like I had come out to no one, not even my family. And when I hit Callie's storyline, I would start to use Callie as like a gauge as to who in my family could I talk to. So I'd be talking to my sister about Grey's Anatomy and I'm like, I really love Callie's story. And she's like, I do too. Isn't it so sweet? And I would be like, okay, I can talk to you about this someday. And I can talk to you about this someday. And um, coming from a deeply religious family, the storyline with Callie and her dad hit me so hard because I haven't come out to my parents yet. I figure... Once I actually make the time to date a woman, I'll tell them. But until then, I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings so bad. But, but, um, so everything is it safe to assume that they're not going to listen to this podcast? They're not going to. They didn't even listen to my podcast. (laughs) No. 
but, those but bastards. My my mom has finally started reading the book that that we're covering on. <clears throat> my sister okay. made me view it, The Way of Kings. Um, and she pronounces all the characters' names wrong, and she texts me 50 questions a day, and I love her for it. So Callie and Arizona's story is so important to me, and even, like, the casual relationship aspect of it in this episode. And bringing up a, a lighting thing that I think is funny and a really sweet runner in this episode is Callie is always lit very flat and very unflatteringly through this whole episode. She's just like a mess. And whenever mm-hmm. Arizona shows up, they've designed a spotlight for her wherever she's standing. She, she glows. Has like absolute glowing angel. Glow. Yeah. And I'm like, I need, I need Same. an angelic person <laughs> to drag me away from my work episodes and tell me it's okay to just eat pizza naked in bed. That's like all mm. I want. That's the dream. The it's, dream. It is the dream. Yeah. The dream. So wait, hold on. I I want to take a pause here, um, because we've tackled some some pretty serious topics along the way, and I think that we would not be true to ourselves if we didn't just take a couple minutes and just chat about this. If you're okay with it, Megan. Oh yeah. Um, I did not know that about you, so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, very bold of you, and uh, I commend you. And anyone who listens to this podcast for more than five seconds know that Kelsey <laughs> and I are both. Uh, stands and supporters of the LGBTQ I A plus. Am I, I I'm not up to date on it. Is, <laughs> yeah. that, is that all Listen, the acronyms? You I'm, added the plus it? to the end, and that's what matters. If you missed okay, any yeah. other letters, um, that covers the rest. <laughs> all right. Um, we're we're big fans of of you and all of the things that that uh, that we can try to do to be allies and supporters. So I want to take a minute. Can I just ask you truly what? Like, that's got to be such a weird spot to be in mentally where part of the people in your life knows your truth and part of the people in your life don't. Can you just maybe elaborate on that for just just a minute here to, to kind of like share some of your story a little bit more? If yeah, you're comfortable. of course. So the the thing for, thing for me is I have always kind of lived that separate. I don't believe in the religion I grew up in. But it was Utah Valley, Utah. So it was my entire, uh, my whole neighborhood. It was my school teachers and all of my school friends. It was 100% of my social circle. And it was back when I, they've changed the hours now. But back when I was a kid, it was three hours of church every single Sunday. Mm. And it's one of the reasons why I like, I love so much about science fiction, fantasy, television is being able to like, you know, like, like, like using Callie to come to terms with coming out to Mm -hmm. someone. I believe in like the power of fiction as a softer take on reality, making people more courageous to stand up in their everyday lives. It's, it's one of the reasons why I think shows, it's one of the reasons why I think fictional shows resonate so strongly with people. Um, And I so appreciate everything Shonda has done in all of her series is to push this forward. Because Callie was the first, I think, bisexual person who was okay with being called bisexual I ever saw on Mm -hmm. TV. Because usually it's like, I don't like labels. And I'm like, I'm neurotypical. I heckin' love labels. Labels are the best. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've always... It's funny, the... uh, the the line from a movie that actually made me the most okay with being like, I'm not 
Mormon is actually from Lord of the Rings when Arwen is talking to Aragorn and she says, I would rather spend a mortal, a single mortal life with you than face eternity alone. And since the Mormon church believes in eternal marriage, one man, one woman, that's it. I'm like, I would rather be happy for one lifetime than just check marriage off in a box because it's something I'm expected to do. Mm. Um, Mm. And now that I'm, and I always, I always planned, like I've wanted to be in animation since I was eight years old. I've always planned to move to California and like be my authentic self. And like, I did it. Take that haters. Um, Yeah. But, and I've always planned to do queer stories and like queer storytelling. And I've been really, really lucky in a lot of the projects that I've been on of teams that are accepting of that and like social circles that are accepting of that. And so for me, it's, I mean, it's probably not healthy that I've got such a strong divide between this is the Megan I am at my house and I don't swear around my parents (laughs) and I hide the coffee when they come to visit me. Um, Although I might not have hit it as well as I should have last time because I forgot my dad is like seven feet tall. So I'm like, I'll put it in this cupboard that I can't even reach. And it's like in his eye line. But they haven't said anything. So I think I'm still in the clear. Um, And then just, you know, being able to come on my friend's podcast and talk about it openly because I'm so confident that. That, you know, you guys are are chill with it and you are great allies already and uh, look forward to. A lot of queer stories for me in the future and a lot of stories about clones and twins and someone and a second self that is perfect because let me tell you that is a I realized as I've been okay listen just between us and everyone who listens to our podcast um it's a lot I've been pitching yeah I've been pitching original stories in Hollywood trying to get stuff made and I've I've actually had two bites I actually had a show light spoilers about a person and a magical twin that was in uh, production for three years and it just got canceled earlier this year and there are days where I'm still really sad about it. I'm so sorry. But uh, I mean, Shonda didn't sell grades till she was 36, so I've at least got 10 months (laughs) left to hit that benchmark. (laughs) Um, So to bring this back around, because I do want to talk about the rest of the episode, Grey's is one of the shows that made me so fully confident in who I feel I authentically am Mm -hmm. instead of the person I felt like I had to be for the community around me. And I'm just so glad to live in California right now. (laughs) Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Kelsey, I, I know that I didn't like send you a text or like ask you. Sometimes we text back and forth of like, hey, like we're like we're talking live, but we don't want to spoil like the fourth wall. So we'll just text each other. So I hope you don't mind that I was like doing this off the cuff here. But yeah, no, Megan, I did not know that about you. And I really, excuse me, appreciate you, uh, your your boldness and your bravery to, to kind of just come on here and, and talk and share. And um, Kelsey, I know that you've you've no problem with that. But uh, yeah. that's one of the things that you've pointed out too very early on that you love the representation within not just Grey's, but Shonda's universe in Shonda land. And what, um, where I think a lot of the, the ability for those characters and stories to resonate is that Shonda surrounds herself like in the writer's room, like on the creative side, 
um, with people that she's like from the communities that she's representing. So it's even more authentic. And I think that makes it that much more relatable for people. Um, but I agree. I mean, I have always loved, um, like I have a background in theater. That's what my college degree is in. And I think it's cause you just like find relatability in so many stories, um, that other people have written. It's because like, it's maybe something that you see a part of yourself or you like want to be like that person or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I, Shonda just does it so well every mm. single time. Mm. And it's so, yeah. it's so interesting because, you know, you can have the same relatability and characters in a show like Grey's Anatomy and a show like Bridgerton where it's like, they couldn't be yeah. more opposite, but you still have characters that you just relate to like at your core so much. And she's just like, she just knows what she's doing. But Megan, I mm. love it when people are like, this is what I wanted to do when I was eight. And then they're doing it. Like, to me, that's like one of the coolest things. That's dope as frick. Like, I think so many people don't even really know what they want to do. So, like, not only to have the clarity, but then to, like, accomplish mm -hmm. that dream is, like, amazing. I, so, mean, like, I, I still don't even know what I want to do. Yeah. Like, I got talked out of it for a while because, you know, art isn't a real job. Yeah. Listeners, I feel like especially there. Yeah, especially um, so, in the creative field, it's yeah. always like, oh, you can't do that. My original plan when I applied to and got accepted to BYU, I was going to go into international law and politics. I was going to learn three languages and translate for the UN and the Olympics because that I'm is like, still that important. Is, yeah, I'm like, that's so respectable. <laughs> that's so real. And then thank God one of my friends <laughs> the summer before was like, you never talk about politics and you always talk about movies. I know you can draw. Have you ever thought yeah. about animation? And like all of my childhood dreams exploded at once. And I'm like, forget law. I'm going to change hearts and minds in the movies. <laughs> and here and you the are. You're changing, you're changing our hearts and minds right here, yeah. right now. I would have now, told you live. about it earlier, but that would have been a lot of typing for an Instagram message. So. <laughs> well, yeah, we here we, this is better sharing. live. We'll do it yeah. live. And I think we'll Carmen and I are um, in sync on that. When we have, if we have a platform, regardless of the size of it, we like want to use it for good things in general. Mm -hmm. And so using it to amplify voices of um, people in underrepresented communities is something yes. we are always down for, but we appreciate you sharing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so Cali in Arizona. 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 I, so all of the stuff, so you, you, you brought up a lot of good points. Obviously there's a, a lighting juxtaposition between the two of them. I want to, I want to just tell you guys that I, there was a really sad scene um, for me as not, not as like a, a, a viewer, but as an Italian man where <laughs> yeah. they're like, she's like, I, she's like, uh, the, she's like, well, we could just have sandwiches. And then Arizona's like, well, I don't like sandwiches. And she's like, well, I don't either. So let's just, what about pizza? And like, yeah, pizza's great. I love pizza, but like who the fuck doesn't like sandwiches? These people have not been to Publix or <laughs> you gotta go like, pub any deli restaurant anywhere but i will say really they it's a redemption scene when they're sitting in bed naked clearly so happy and they're just yeah. eating pizza like what i need to know did the pizza get delivered pre or post sex uh is Maybe a question they that timed i have it really well like they called and then they had sex and then it just arrived like immediately when they were finished that's what i want for them mm. <laughs> the guy knocks on the door at climax <laughs> 
Uh, but then they have to walk over. This isn't the times of <laughs> yeah, Uber. This is pre-contact delivery. Contactless yeah, delivery. <laughs> contactless delivery, yeah. They had to give that man a tip uh, <laughs> naked in bed. Maybe that was the tip. That, that was just, the hey, tip. I'll just, you know, flash, boom. Um, <laughs> but I love that guess, scene. Oh, they're both beautiful. I would guess they got pizza first and then ate cold pizza together to celebrate mm. how poor Callie is now. <laughs> To Nothing says poor like life. poor cold pizza. <laughs> poor like cold pizza. Uh, actually, I love cold pizza, so you know it's good. Uh, all pizza, um, um, but I know that was kind of all over the place. Kelsey, any other points you want to talk about with 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 Cali in Arizona? I just love Sarah Ramirez so much, and I think yeah, they are so the talented. And the monologue where Cali is like explaining, like I'm poor now, the delivery on it just like being like on the brink of tears the whole time is so good and I just love it. And also, um, very opposite ends of that. Um, when Callie is on the phone at some point and says we are close to trauma because we have comp trauma coming out of our, out butts. Of our butts. It's so silly. <laughs> and I uh, love it. To reverse the visuals though, that they set up at the beginning with like angelic Arizona and schlub Callie in this final monologue, schlub. Callie's hair is like down and gorgeous and Arizona's in her scrub cap and when they like authentically talk about their feelings it brings them back to the same level Mm -hmm. like Callie feels like they are like too far apart to work anymore that this is too big of an obstacle for them and when they emotionally get on the same page not only are they like at the same level of attractiveness in the show now but Mm -hmm. the actors are now physically at the same level because Callie's been sitting and Arizona's been standing in all of their other scenes yeah thanks Um, i didn't notice that and uh shonda also mentioned in the blog that part of callie's struggle was feeling that her not having money anymore does like like not have her in arizona on the same level basically um which obviously i feel like in many relationships people kind of go back and forth with that um but i feel like i don't know it's early on in the relationship still for them but Mm -hmm. It's still Money a big thing. is one of the things that wrecked her and George's marriage. That's like, true. George yeah, getting so yeah. weird that Callie was so much richer than him. Yeah. Um, and she might be really afraid that Arizona like feels the same. But Arizona's yeah. better than George O'Malley for Callie. Yeah. 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 For, and also for just Callie. Life. And and yeah, I was like, this is gonna get us a lot of hate, but like I don't care. George George is guys, George is just okay. Like yeah. I've like been watching he has this come a long way from the beginning yeah. and he has gone from average. trash to being <laughs> I, fine. I have watched a hundred episodes now and I think I can finally say, guys, George is just all right. Like he's not great. He's reached his peak. There's nowhere else for him to go. This is peak George. Like, yeah. I just think that people, if you, like love George, I feel like it's the same as loving like a kicked puppy. Which is like sad. That learns like, how to don't do kick surgery. Puppies, but like <laughs> it's, it's so like, funny. What's that, like, the appeal? Owen sums it up so beautifully. It's like George, you don't have to be the hero. You can just help out. And it's like, do you know what? That you is very O'Malley. You're not, here. you know, you're not Doctor Sexy. You're not <sighs> McDreamy or McSteamy. You can help out, and that's enough for you, George. That'll, you're not even Doctor. You're not even Doctor Wang. It's okay. Yeah. That'll do, pig. <laughs> That'll do, pig. Um, okay, Kelsey, where to next? I um, I think I have something okay. that I would like to to talk okay. as a next topic. If you're okay with Please. it, 
I want to talk about Hunt and Christina. Yes. Can I just the little little thing at the pinky touch? Just the, little, the, the little almost handhold. Yeah. It's it's oh. back to that Regency era vibe yeah. of like when they had like all the classical music like, touches. Mm-hmm. Oof. Very yeah. scandalesque. Yeah. You but know what the, I'm saying? The fairy tale has really been broken by what's happened. Mm-hmm. But we see Christina. Sorry, I don't want to jump directly to the end, but like Christina finds out what the problem is and she takes immediate steps to fix it, even yeah. though she hasn't like talked with Owen about it yet. Yeah, she's like very, you know, type A, like problem solving, like this is the answer personality for sure. Um, I love the scene on the catwalk with the two of them talking. Um, I love that she's asking him how therapy is going because she's genuinely invested because he's going to therapy so that he can be in a better place so that they can be together. And I feel like her asking about therapy is her recognizing the fact that he is doing work to be better for her so that she can feel safe. Um, And I also um, took note of the fact that he says, hold on, where is it? Um, He says it's good, but slow. And then he's like, the ceiling fan is what triggered me. Uh, and he verbally says, that's what caused me choking you. And I think the like the choice to say me choking you is like really like definitive of him, like owning the fact that he did do that. Like, yes, he didn't intend to, but that doesn't change the fact that he did do it. And he's really like it feels to me very like taking accountability um, and like acknowledging the fact that he did this thing to her. And it, I just feel like that's on therapy. <laughs> I want to point out two things with that. Number one, uh, accountability. It's nice to hear from <laughs> the men in this show. Um, but also, I want to point out that I think I actually did predict specifically that there was something involving a helicopter in uh, that was causing the... The fan, the, blades. The, the fan blades and it was helicopter related. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in the Carmen's win column. So thank you for Gotta everyone take for playing where along. You can find them, right? If you're playing Carmen bingo at home, put Carmen gets a prediction correct about hunt on your bingo card. <laughs> can I go on my little sound bite about what's wrong with the men of Grey's anatomy? <laughs> Literally, I don't know if we have enough time. But yeah, okay. I'm like, by all means. this is only an hour, Megan. We don't have the time. no. no. I've ranted about this many a time, so it'll be quick. So many of them operate solely on their emotions, but believe they're operating on logic. I, I think Weber like, is the worst defender, but Owen's absolutely. up there. I feel like that's pretty true of men in real life. They're like, women are so emotional. Because, because they don't know a, what emotions are. You do, well, Carmen. You're very tweet. evolved and healed, et cetera, et cetera. So I am very healed. Um, there, I saw a tweet that was something along the lines of men say that women are emotional because they have somehow rebranded anger to not being an emotion. And I feel like that is very spot on. Um, but I do agree that all the men in Grace are very much like, I am acting from emotions, but it's not their 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 defenses. It's not my emotions. It's whatever you've done, even though it's your emotional reaction to mm-hmm. whatever they've done. Listen, Man. I know I'm like ninety six episodes too late, but <laughs> Weber calling Addison because Derek started dating <laughs> Meredith and he had a problem with it has created a cascade. Of horrible, unfixable actions ever since then. And that's why Shonda's queen of drama. Mm, Yes. She knows drama. 
Uh, goodness. I will say that um, the 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 men on this show. I mean, th- there's no. It's it's not as bad as Scandal. There are no <laughs> fucking good oh people in sh- in Scandal. No one in Scandal is a good person except for. David Rosen, the attorney general. David of the Rosen, <laughs> attorney, attorney general. Yeah, and he. Spoiler alert. Okay, skip forward thirty seconds. To fucking kill him in the final episode, so I will never forgive her. And it's so um, dumb that he goes to confront a known murderer who's known for <laughs> killing and murdering, saying, "Sign this paper that you admit to killing and murdering." He goes alone to do this. Yeah, and then let's gets raise a glass to to murder. Yeah. Also, um, there's really no good people on how to get away with murder, but I just find them. But I like them all. I'm like, I know. I'm like, them. you're all bad, and I love you all. And fucking I don't know why. they, they did. They Shonda does. All my guys dirty. She kills off Asher. <laughs> she fucking kills Carmen off was David like, Rosen. I will not watch this show if she kills off Asher. And I was like, well, he's really going to stop watching the second yeah. to last episode. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but my, my fear, my fear is that, uh, uh, Sloan and, uh, Derek are going to get killed in a, in the same exact accident. They're going to get the same exact episode. They're going to die in a, uh, some sort of murder suicide episode. Sort of erotic joint death. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say yeah. though, That's this messy. episode specifically, I think most of the men really are are great in this episode. Yeah. We've got like Owen yeah. admitting uh, Richard is a little hubbery for Meredith surgery, but like oh I God. get it, yeah. and I think Derek and Mark are. This is a solid episode for for yeah. a lot of the characters. The growth yeah. in this episode, the growth is really represented in this episode for all the characters, for sure. Yeah. Um, I will say, can I just say on the, on the Christina and Hunt thing? Yeah, because you just sure. brought up a good point there, Kelsey. <gasps> a cat. <gasps> Ooh, this is who is this? Hello. Taco. As uh, yeah. Marla would say, it's a meow meow. Um, <laughs> oh my god, I love her. Yeah. So I she rest. Uh, she's 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 sick right now too. So did, for, did uh, you awful. almost just say rest in peace? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I realized you need to go that to bed. Was, um, <laughs> Oh my oh gosh, my that cat turned one. white. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, so oh, and, we're yeah. being led to believe right now that it's understood between Christina and Hunt that they're he's going to therapy because they want to give each other another shot. I didn't get that. Like, it feels like you're talking about it as more understood than I was interpreting it. Well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it's because they want to get back together, but I think her, she is the catalyst that sends yeah. him to therapy. I don't see a world where he would just go to therapy oh, if there's okay. not like, like, yes, the goal is for him to be a healed person, but I think the reason, the motivation to be healed is that potential relationship and also just to not harm people while you're asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think like the soft looks they exchanged during the wedding ceremony and her taking mm. out the ceiling fan at the end, mm-hmm. like, They've they're both making steps yeah. to something. Yeah. Anything else Christina and Hunt related specifically? Only that my so. favorite elevator ding of the episode is the ding when Christina puts on a smile to be Meredith's maid of honor. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I I Big love day. a good Grey's Anatomy sound design Big elevator day. ding, and she's like, Big ding. <laughs> I also love Meredith being like, do not, absolutely do not do that. And she's like, thank God. But I, I love I that she was that. ready to do that. 
Yeah, she was ready to do the, the peppy uh, maid of honor thing, which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then let's do this uh, because I feel like there's just really one topic left for us to, mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, but it's a big one. Um, <laughs> well, no, there's like two topics, uh, Weber and, and Meredith's surgery. But yeah, um, let's take a quick moment to hear some words from our regional sponsors. One of the best things about finishing a great book is knowing that you have another one ready to go in your to-be-read pile. With Book of the Month, you can make sure that your to-be-read pile stays stocked and ready to go. Each month, you can use the app to select from five to seven titles vetted and curated by the team at Book of the Month, focusing specifically on debut authors and early releases. If you can't choose just one, you can always upgrade and add more from your selection. And if that TBR pile starts to get a little too tall, you can skip as many months as you need to give yourself a little extra time to catch up on what you have. Personally, I am a huge fan of suspense and psychological thrillers, so I was very excited to see multiple books on the selection list for May that fit that description. I selected two different titles, both of which are set in Washington State, just like our favorite show, Grey's Anatomy. I thoroughly enjoyed The Return of Ellie Black, the first thriller novel from Amiko Jean, and have Middle Tide by Sarah Crouch ready to read on my road trip next week. Right now, you can sign up for Book of the Month and use code PEDALS to get your first book for only $5. That's code PEDALS, P-E-T-A-L-S, to get your first book for only $5. Watch out for that blue box at your door and get your TBR pile stocked and ready. And we are back. Here we are. Back again. Um, okay, so let's start with, we'll start with Derek and Meredith, because that's just going to lead into the Izzy and Alex of it all. Um, so, you know, the episode starts, and Derek and Meredith are in the church, and they're like, big day. Today's the normal day. We're going to work. And then at the end, we are going to get married, but we're just the bride and groom. MBD, no big deal. Does not matter. <laughs> I have so many fun facts about this church. First of all, beautiful. I know where it is. Uh, (gasps) This got filmed at the First Baptist Church of Hollywood. It's on Selma Avenue in downtown uh, in downtown Hollywood. It's just like a couple blocks from where all the stars in the sidewalk, the Chinese theater, all that sort of stuff. Um, And it was very important that they use this church because even though they shoot it all on the ground floor, this church has a second balcony floor, which is where they rigged most of their lighting for this episode. Mm. And uh, listeners, if you haven't listened to part one, what are you doing? Go back. (laughs) But in part one, I mentioned that a episode of television is filmed over a week. They had two total days in this church to do all of the wedding, which was huge. And then this scene at the beginning with Derek and Meredith. And they actually shot the Derek and Meredith scene last because decorating for the wedding itself was so involved what they did is they decorated the whole church because all right filming wise you shoot your master which is your wide first and then you go in on your uh, insert shots of specific characters and (laughs) they had people who were just on candle duty because in the script shonda wrote 
I'm very sorry, but there are a thousand <laughs> candles in the church. <laughs> so every time you're up close on, you know, a single of Christina or like a double mm-hmm. of Izzy and Alex, there's somebody whose only job was to refresh and light the candles behind them when it started. But after they shot, you know, their big masters, their big wides, and they started going into their singles, there were people in the background taking down decorations of the church as they were doing their specifics. That's what? So by the end of the night, Meredith and Derek could shoot in a completely empty church. And this is wow. going to segue into my lighting speech about this. And it's about how when you light for film, you have to light what's believable instead of what's realistic. So in the mm-hmm. shot you see with Meredith and Derek, it feels like early morning where the light's coming in at like a soft white angle and it's lighting them both. But if you pay attention, there's like a lot of colored lights on the walls from the stained glass window. Mm-hmm. If you look at this church, there are no plain windows letting in white sunlight. They have faked the white sunlight, even though there's no clear windows, and used the stained glass. They've set up actual film lights outside the stained glass because they shot this very last thing at night um, in order to evoke the feeling of early morning. Lies and trickery. Oh, I was evoked. That's for sure. The magic of Hollywood. Movie magic. Incredible. I love film lighting so much, you Um, guys. I could tell for sure that it was like super high ceilings, and I was wondering, I was like... If they were using like crane shots or something in there, um, but I could, I was like, this is a very, very pretty church. Like, mm-hmm. say what you will about whatever relationship you may or may not have with churches and and religion in general. Um, in the Bible Belt, a lot of churches look like that, and I mm-hmm. have feelings about churches in the Bible Belt. But at least they are pretty. <laughs> yes. You know how I said that I had to go to three hours of Mormon church every Sunday. Yes. I also provided the music for local Catholic services. <gasps> wow. So I'd get so up at 6 a.m. Oh, my gosh. I, I joke that, like, I've done my time because there is a stretch between practice, uh, between rehearsal and performance for Catholic church, three hours of Mormon church, and then choir after. I was doing six hours of church a day. So I just, like... I burned through all my required time very early in life, and now I don't have to go anymore. That's funny. That is how it works. Um, But, yeah, the church was stunning. The way they set it up was – I um, found that it was – again, we talked about this in previous episodes, previepies. They – like, it's so easy. Like, you see Izzy when you see this design, this setup, big romance, like, flowers, candles, like, just perfect wedding. Like, if someone says wedding, you probably are picturing something like this. Um, And I think that's so more reminiscent of Izzy than it is Mm -hmm. of Meredith. Um, Even, again, we see the growth that Meredith has gotten to this place where marriage is, Mm -hmm. it is a big deal, but she's, like, in a good place and she's ready and she's not afraid of it anymore. But this is still not her. Mm -hmm. And a a costume and set dressing note, Izzy is wearing the wedding colors and the sheets on her bed are the wedding colors. So like she is color coordinated with the wedding and like leading up to it, like through the whole thing. Like there's nothing about this wedding that is Meredith. It's very clear that like this is Izzy's dream. And Mm -hmm. I'm an, I'm a season five Izzy hater. I'm not an early Izzy (laughs) hater, but I'm a season five Izzy hater because this is, the most impersonal and rude thing is to steamroller someone through a wedding they don't care about and waste so much money on it. 
<gasps> well, Derek gave me his credit card. I, I, I was okay, I supposed to do? Turn him down? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I will say, so this, getting to this point where it's all of a sudden, is he getting married? Mm-hmm. I very rarely am truly, truly shocked. And not in like a bad way. Like I, when when Dylan, when I killed Dylan, I was shocked. <laughs> um, <Whoa. laughs> um, when when that happened, I was shocked. But I was in more like a stand up. Yo, what the fuck did I just watch? Is this a dream sequence? No, this is real. Uh, shocked when this happened, and all of a sudden, Izzy was getting married to Alex. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> This is, this is wild. This Justice is cool. Justice, <laughs> Justice has been foretold. Um, but you're right. Like, I guess it's one of the, I, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, Kelsey, when you were watching this live, when it was aired, like, do you feel like a lot of people are in your circle were like, oh yeah, no, this makes sense. Or was it like, what? I can't believe that. Is he I mean, it was Alex? both. It was like, Wow. Like, they got their wedding because, you know, she's on death's door. Mm. I'll be honest, like, the patient side of this stuck with me um, through the test of time more than the Alex and Izzy wedding. Um, Mainly, like, that that girl's speech is just always something I remember. But I think, again, because it comes back basically a second time is kind of why it really Mm -hmm. sticks with you. Um, But it wasn't like, you know, it's not. I don't find it to be so out of left field because, you know, they're dating, they're in love. Like she loves him. He loves her. Um, and again, I think it works out because of this wedding is not Meredith and Derek. So I am mm-hmm. glad that they didn't get married that way. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there's a writing term that is surprising, but inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that feels right. Shonda's a good writer. <laughs> and so when Meredith and Derek are like, this is Izzy's wedding, that yeah. uh, it it feels, it definitely fits. It definitely fits for Izzy to have this fairy tale moment, mm-hmm. um, especially because she's like, the way that she's framed in this episode is very much like she's a saint she's royal okay so like the very first shot that we see of her of the episode where she has she's her not hand, looking like, good yeah she has her hand carefully draped she looks like uh, a saint icon you know like one of those statues yeah. like the special way she's got it draped and there's a moment later when she's talking about denny when when she sees denny she always thinks of death and she puts her hand over her chest in that same way that mm-hmm. they were going for a lot of you know, church wedding, religious iconography with Izzy. And I, I think it made, it made the wedding really special, especially the scenes with her and Alex afterwards when she's dealing, I think for the first time, the sadness of what's happening to her hits her because leading up to this, she's been very flippant about having cancer and being this patient. She's been really trying to distance herself from it. And Mm -hmm. it hits her with the finality in this episode that Catherine Heigl acts so beautifully. Or Katie, as Shonda calls her, which is weird to me because I, I'm not good enough friends with her to call her Katie. <laughs> she <am>. prefers Kate. <laughs> um, no, in that uh, the sit down with um, Ellen Pompeo and Catherine Heigl, I think Ellen Pompeo also called her Katie many times. And I was like, wildly unsettling. Um, but yeah, I think also on the uh, as far as like the iconography of death. 
Shonda said she specifically had Denny wear black for the first time in this episode because she's like, this is death. Everyone pick it up. We're not being subtle anymore. He's death. And he, she had him speak like really like short, like succinct statements because he wasn't there to be like this. So like, you know, waxing poetic anymore. He's like, I'm just here for the dead. Camera tricks. Camera camera reveals with Denny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened several times in this episode where the beginning of the shot is staged so it's empty and either the shift of the camera or the shift of a character revealed Denny several times. So like when Izzy mm-hmm. is sitting up in the MRI, when she sits down to say, Bailey, Denny, Duquette's right behind you. As she sits down, she reveals Denny in the background of the shot. Yeah. And there's another one where, like, we're just looking at her and the camera shifts over. This is reversed at the end when Alex steps in front of Denny and hides him. Not only that, though, they digitally wipe uh, Denny from the scene as Alex crosses. So so they would have filmed that shot twice, a plate with Denny and a plate without. And they digitally erased him from the background. And it's the first time he's vanished magically because all of the other hallucinatory times he feels real he feels authentic Mm -hmm. he feels there and this last shot of him very ooky spooky very supernatural (laughs) Mm. um yeah i uh i it's not in this episode but one of my favorite denny reveals is before she knows that she's sick when she's brushing her teeth and she closes the like the mirror door in the bathroom and he's Mm -hmm. in the mirror i'm like that is a good reveal but also how did you not jump with horror but there's a man behind you in your bathroom i i will say i was very excited when he was revealed here but i i was like i knew denny had to come back he had (laughs) to take her to the afterlife the grim reaper is has returned Mm -hmm. um there's a word for that psychopomp is the name of a figure that escorts the souls of the dead and they appear in a lot of different mythologies so like ours is the grim reaper it's hermes in greek mythology psychopomp Vocab word of the day, listeners. (laughs) And today's episode is brought to you by the word psychopomp. Um, So I I, I do like that he was revealed. He came back. And I noticed right away, too, that he was wearing black. There was Mm -hmm. in that scene when Izzy does say uh, to to Bailey, he's like, yeah, then he's like right there. And it's kind of ominous because he's like looking down like he's not actually looking up at Izzy. It's like very like. Yeah, very dark and like in an alley kind of style. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bailey, when she's like, "Tell, tell him," I said, "Go home." Tell like, Denny to go home. Yeah, um, but it is it is very interesting because you when when he's when she's like, "It's a tumor, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a fucking tumor." Uh, and then when they're looking at the the scans, and Derek's like, "I don't know what to tell you." Um, it's just a very interesting arc, really well played, and. I really like the scene with with uh, with Katie, uh, where <laughs> she's like, "Denny, the one time I want you here, uh, get yes. here, come and on." So that was the one that was going simultaneously with Becca's valedictorian speech. So yes. they're do they're cutting back and forth to her giving the speech and to them zipping up all the dead kids, and then Izzy trying to force Denny to show up so that they can map where this tumor is. And I think again this episode there's a lot of good with it but like they really hit moments on music swells 
really well, especially with Izzy in this episode. Specifically, mm-hmm. there were two points that I noticed. Um, this was the first one when she's like, damn it, Denny. And he shows up and there's like a big music swell. And then at the wedding, there's like a big music swell and a kiss. And it's like very like dramatic and romantic and very like typical like TV, you know, perfect love moment. But mm-hmm. um, I definitely really liked the juxtaposition of her like wanting this person who is essentially death to show up while they're showing all of these dead characters. And they're trying to save her. She wants yeah. death yeah. to show up so that he can save her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Fair. okay. Chandra Wilson wasn't in much of this episode, but her moments were outstanding. I'd forgotten. Yeah. It was originally Bailey's idea to give Izzy the wedding. Yeah. Yep. Because she's been there through this entire process, you know, like being there as a doctor, but watching Izzy be excited and watching Izzy plan and pick everything and watching Izzy like go on and on about like, oh, it's going to be perfect. It's this and this and this. And um, and so I think that really, to me, makes so much sense as to why she's like. And then also the moment she has with Izzy. Um, hold on, because I have it. I pulled the quote. Um, where she says, she says, is it always Denny? No one else. And Izzy says, yeah. And Bailey's like, yeah, okay. And Izzy's like, what? And Bailey says, nothing. I mean, it makes sense. He's the man you love. And Izzy says, he's not the man I love. And Bailey says, he's not. And then Izzy says, well, I mean, I love Denny. I will always love Denny. He means a lot to me, but I think I hallucinate Denny because I associate him with death and dying. When I think about my future, who I am now, who I want to be, who I want to spend the rest of my life with, when you th- get that flutter in your chest, Alex, Alex is the man I love. And Bailey says, Karev. And as he says, yes, I love Alex Karev. So let's find this tumor and get it out of me so that we can have our perfect wedding, a wedding not wasted on two people who don't appreciate weddings. And Derek's like, I can hear you. Um, but I think that I am right on here. Top of Bailey being like so involved with Izzy throughout this process is what kind of makes her then later tell Derek when he's like, I wish there was something I can do. And she's like, well, there is. You can yeah. give her her perfect wedding that she wants mm-hmm. to the man that she loves. And the moment when Meredith and Christina are prepping Izzy to get her down the aisle the intercut of taking out the, the IV line mm-hmm. and taking off the breathing tube with doing the hair, the flower, the dress is so evocative of the original opening song of the show with mm-hmm. all of the, the sexy clothing do, 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 do. Um, yep. being cut with scenes of medical instruments. And mm-hmm. it really felt like this 100th episode used those visuals to tie it back to where the show began. Shonda knows what the fuck she is doing, and I love it. It is true. <sighs> and um, nobody so knows where they might end up. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, on the, the topic of them getting ready, um, it's so short, but I love the scene with the three of them so much where Meredith is like getting, or Izzy says, thank you so much. And Meredith is like trying not to cry. And, and Meredith said, so who's your maid of honor, me or Christina? And she says, Christina, Alex needs a best man and he's asking for you. And Christina goes, oh, so like I'm sloppy seconds. And she said, you tried to save my life and that is honorable. And I get goose. I literally just got goose saying it like every single time because like she just looks Christina dead in the eye and Christina like looks at her and, you know, for someone who's. I don't think you could see that, but I said, (laughs) okay, but goose. I said goosebumps. goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But I actually wrote um, when she says. 
where oh where oh yeah. you try to save me that makes you honorable i literally wrote okay comma but goosebumps yeah i wrote goosebumps all over <laughs> um but yeah that moment between the three of them is just so like we haven't had a whole lot of moments just the three of them together yeah. really in the whole series and we've had a handful but not I, I mean you know another really iconic one is obviously um after carmen killed dylan and they're like washing mm-hmm, meredith mm-hmm. in the shower um but and that episode starts with a sex scene so <laughs> but because christina is you know more hardened and we don't see her have a lot of emotions. We don't see her like smile in this way very often when Izzy looks at her and she says it was like, she doesn't fight it. She just like accepts it. She's like, yeah, I, I do. I do want to save your life. Like I, I wanted to do that. Um, so that was like such a quick little scene, but I, I love it so much. I love that it was there. And then Izzy walks down the aisle. Hold on. I want to um, make a point right here, right here. I want to make a point. Okay. Make, make your point. I literally was typing as she was walking down the aisle. I'm annoyed that George didn't walk her down the aisle. And yeah. as I finished typing that, he's walking her down the aisle. So and I think that's perfect. So good. Um, I also wonder uh, who is in the hospital, because I don't think Derek and Meredith know anybody outside of the hospital. And that church yeah. is full. That is a The full interns are church. there. That Why are the interns there? Are there? <laughs> Easily. <laughs> Listen, um, it's okay. The hospital's close to trauma. They, the Callie, like, never reopened it. She's just like, mm, we'll just tell everyone but, we're still close. They yeah, go to Mercy it's West. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I, I love the moment. First of all, that Izzy stumbles. I'm like, that's real because clearly, like, for what she has been shown to us, like, she is, would not be able to make that aisle. That is a long aisle. Um, so the fact that she stumbles and the fact that George, like, again, I think it goes back to being like the team player of it. He's like, I'm going to be here because this is you where I'm don't needed. Need to be I can hero. see where I'm needed. Yeah. yeah. Need and then needed. he steps in, he takes her down. And then the moment between him and Alex is like, not great. Like it's not this big, like overblown, we're going to hug, but it's like enough that they are both acknowledging like who they are to Izzy. And I think that's so like good. Perfect yeah. for what, where they have come even just like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. to where they are now and like accepting who they are to her and who they have to be for her, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. And go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say for performances, this episode, Justin Chambers, just scene oh. after scene as oh. Karev was incredible. Like that moment with him and Meredith outside the hospital. Oh, where so, he's crying fully. Yeah. Incredible. I'm going to, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to lose her. Yeah. That scene? Yeah. I'm uh, afraid she's actually going to die on me. I have another lighting highlight on that scene specifically. So all of the coverage on Alex is real dawn. I know it's supposed to take place at evening, but like given how the hospital set up, that was an early morning shot. Um, so you get this beautiful gold rim light like all the way around his face. And there's so much pressure doing a a golden hour shot just before sunrise and like just before sunset, sorry, after sunrise, before sunset, because it only lasts for minutes, if that. So he would have turned over, there weren't, there wouldn't have been like too many takes of that. He would have turned over that performance instantly. But when the camera reverses on the other side, technically if the sun's coming up, he should be like fully brightly lit when we're (laughs) shooting the other direction. But they would have filmed Ellen's coverage after. So there's a... Um, what you want in film lighting is believable over realistic. 
Uh, so realistically, they should have both been blasted out by sunlight shooting the other <laughs> way. But instead, they lit them both very softly, and they put an artificial golden rim on Meredith's hair. So even though the... She's an the, angel. Yeah, even though the position of the sun changes from shot to shot, the quality of lighting on both of them remains consistent. So even though they weren't shooting for realism, they were shooting for continuity and storytelling. And that's movie magic, baby! Love that. Yeah, I mean, he does such a good job. And to think about the fact that he probably did it in, like, less than three takes is insane. And it's, again, it's... This scene um, specifically, and then also his vows, um, really uh, highlight the growth from, you know, scene episode one to now. Um, so it's just noodle in a, in a great way. Um, but I also have Alex's vows, obviously reminiscent of the valedictorian speech, but I will read them anyway. Because the minister says, you may share your vows. And Izzy says, oh, we didn't write anything. So Alex says, no, wait, I have I've something I want to say. Dying, wait, sir. surprise tool that helped us later. <laughs> no, wait, I have something I want to say. Today's the day my life begins. All my life, I've been just me, just a smart mouth kid. Today, I become a man. Today, I become a husband. Today, I become accountable to someone other than myself. Today, I become accountable to you, to our future, to all the possibilities that marriage has to offer. Together, no matter what happens, I'll be ready for anything, for everything, to take on life, to take on love, to take on possibility and responsibility. Today, Izzy Stevens, our life together begins, and I, for one, can't wait. And then Izzy says, I love you, and they kiss. Not and then yet. The officiant says, Stop! <laughs> Stop you it! Do so great, the <laughs> house of God! <laughs> he doesn't say that. Uh, um, yeah. So then they're back at the hospital and Izzy takes her little flower out of her hair and her hair falls like a large piece of her hair falls out. And Alex is like, don't worry. Like, we'll just shave it. You'll look great bald. Um, she cries because it's very sad. It is. Um, and then like the, the voiceover is also what she was starting at the beginning. And it is revealed that the whole time she was talking to Denny and then she says, go away. I want to be alone with my husband. Perfect. I love that line. But and then she's she hears, not looking well. No. And she's bald. And Alex goes, my wife is hot. Yeah. He's like, why would you put that scarf on? You're hot. Um, which, again, Alex is very supportive. I, I kind of, I like the fact that he confides in Meredith. Like he has the tearful moment with Meredith because he's definitely still trying to be strong for Izzy, but he's not trying to be so strong that he keeps it fully to himself. Like he is still having that moment with Meredith where he's like, I am afraid that she is going to die. Um, And I love that they have that relationship where they can like share those emotions. I remember the first time I viewed this episode, I'm like, Oh, they put the scarf on because they weren't really going to shave Catherine Heigl's <sighs> head. And then they pulled the scarf off and I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> you made her bald. I made her bald. Damn it, Megan. Um, but yeah. And then I also wanted to say um, that at the very end when Izzy is having her um, monologue voiceover and Christina is taking her fan down. And Derek and Meredith have had floor sex in front of the fireplace. And it is nice. the same place that they woke up in the pilot. So again, very like mirror image reminiscent of like one of the first scenes that we get like in the pilot. 
I wow. love that. Shauna. God Look bless her. That. She knows what she's no, doing. So much full circle. Oh the thing that I want to call out, so there's a couple of notes that I have. Uh, it's after after we get the can we kiss yet? Hurry up. Okay, now? Like, LOL. Um, but I wrote. <laughs> lol. Lol. I wrote. OMG at Mark putting his arm around Lexi. OMG at Callie in Arizona. OMG at Christina looking at Hunt. OMG at Meredith looking at Derek. <laughs> so many emotions happening so quickly. And everyone know who knows me knows that I love love and I love weddings. And I just loved all of that scene. There was nothing about that that I would have changed. It is. It was so sad because you have, you go from Alex pulling out the hair with uh, uh, of Izzy to Callie in Arizona having their scene to Christina. It's like you go from you get a like this this good bad good bad sandwich of 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 shit and I good stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's get pizza. Uh, so a really good way to end. And then when it was revealed that she was talking to him the whole time, I was like, fuck, I did not. This is great. This is good writing. This is incredible. Uh, but um, yeah, she's she's not looking good. She's going to die. The Especially that ending scene, that sort of triumphant circle around where all of our happy couples stand. Mm-hmm. This felt like it could have been a series finale, right? With like this wonderful resonant yeah. final scene where we either have a hope for each of the couples or like a clear road for where they'll be going. And it, you know, so many full circle moments to the pilot that... I'm glad the show didn't stop here, but if it had stopped here, I think this would have been a very solid and beautiful series finale, leaving a door open for more adventure. Yeah. At the cost of Izzy Stevens. <laughs> Everyone lives except Izzy. Um, and then, there. oh, we didn't talk. Sorry, we're running over on time, but we, uh, we have to address the gift that Derek gives Meredith. Meredith oh, yeah. is gifted her first solo surgery by Derek via Weber in this episode, which is a perfect gift. Very cute. Very much on brand. I love it. I love when Derek is appropriate to Meredith um, because he actually pays attention to her wants, needs, and desires. And um, Weber is on another fucking level in this one because he is, <laughs> so first of all, he scrubs in. Normally, he just sits and observes. He scrubs in because he's like, just going to be prepared in case you murder this person. Um, and then he's like, mm, good job asking for a scalper. Good job. Great. Excellent. So commanding. Like, wonderful start to the OR. And then he's like, hmm, 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 the whole time. And then fucking Mark shows up and he's like, hey, popping in really quick to threaten you. Please don't fuck up Derek's life again because I don't want to be a best man again because some other bitch fucks him over. Also, gonna judge your you surgery. You fucked him over, Mark. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Meredith, gonna... I don't want you to sleep with me and ruin Derek's second marriage. God. <laughs> yes, sorry, Carmen. That was she really loud. You're gonna have to shorten those spikes on that one we'll we'll <laughs> figure it out no it's so i was thinking the exact same thing like who are you threatening did you go threaten yourself the first time i don't think so mark mark's in the mirror don't ruin this for us <laughs> yeah legit oh goodness that we do get a really nice tie-in scene with weber at the end though is like mm-hmm. um she succeeds at the solo surgery and he's like your mother would have been thrilled like she may not have been able to say it and she, or she would have like done it or expressed it in her own way, but fuck, she would have been so proud of you, Meredith. And like, 
that's just a cool scene to the end, especially with where we've been with uh, Weber and Meredith and their relationship over the last two seasons. Um, yeah, it's just been it was a cool ending to yeah. that. And I again, I love that. Not again. I wasn't here when it happened, but Meredith <laughs> giving Richard Ellis's journals feels like really wonderful because that was the Ellis he knew. Um, and that's, that is the Ellis he sees in Meredith. And I think earlier Mm -hmm. in earlier seasons, when he compared the two, Meredith only has the post Richard image of her mother. Um, but I, I think it was not overt in this episode, but it feels right that he sees the great Ellis in Meredith. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's also starting to recognize Meredith as her own person because she's making choices in the operating room that he wouldn't, that Ellis probably wouldn't. And I think Meredith having lived such a critical life with her mother, um, saying that joke at the end where it's like, Oh yeah, despite all the mistakes I made, the patient lived. That's how Ellis would have treated her. But Richard like earnestly complimenting her and saying, you did it differently than I would, but you did a wonderful job starts to starts to heal, heal a little rift staple some flesh together yeah um shonda in the blog said that she wanted the viewers to see that after 100 100 episodes meredith is exactly what ellis wanted because she is extraordinary because it is extraordinary that she could have overcome everything that she has been through and she was like we have to as viewers remember that the person who is happily and willingly giving her wedding to Izzy is the same person who tried to drown herself like an epi- a season and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And like this, like the growth that like Meredith has worked for and accomplished is not to be ignored. Yeah. Like, yes, they have all had growth, but like I would argue to this point, probably Meredith and Alex is the most like drastic from where they were. Um, and uh, in season yeah. one, I would say on my most recent rewatch of the show, Meredith has Meredith climbs my ranks of favorite characters every time that I watch it because she does, especially in these first seasons, she goes through such a great trackable growth arc and not mm-hmm. all of the characters do. We mentioned kind of the the stagnation on George and uh, there's fine. like a lot of similar frequencies on Izzy as well. I mean, Christina's always been my favorite listeners. If you want to know, it's mm-hmm. Christina <laughs> and some characters we haven't met yet. But uh, Meredith climbs the ranks every time I, I rewatch the show because I so appreciate her journey. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we before we end it, does anybody else have anything they need to just note for to, to get it out that we've missed? <laughs> yeah. Chandra Wilson's hands are so tiny compared to <laughs> Catherine Heigl's giant head. Like the, the very first shot where <laughs> Bailey's holding up a finger for her. You know, if if. Something is closer to the camera, and I'm demonstrating on my Zoom. The hand should be much bigger, but even, like, as close to the camera as it was, she has, like, a freaking baby hand. And I'm like, that can't be right. And then she goes to, like, touch the side of Izzy's head, and I'm like, damn, she's got tiny hands. There you go. I needed to say that before we wrapped. I love that. I will say I also have this note. Sorry. And it's not. This is not. I don't want this to be taken as a body shaming content um, comment because it's not. I just have to say a wedding dress tailored to fit Ellen Pompeo is not going to fit Catherine Heigl. And that is not saying either of them are not stunningly gorgeous women. But like the when you get a wedding dress, they like 
it's basically painted on like it is they tailor it to you so specifically that like you can have no change from the last fitting to that wedding or you simply will not fit in it and i was like i can remove myself to like the um suspension of disbelief that like because Catherine high or izzy would be like on her deathbed dying of cancer like i guess that's what i'm supposed to believe that she would be that scrawny but i was like no Yes. I am so happy you brought that up because I have a trivia piece that I haven't shared yet. And it's about the costuming for this episode. This was the biggest costuming challenge they've had since the prom because of the wedding. None of those extras are wearing clothes they brought from home. Every (sighs) single piece in that church was like sourced and selected, you know, from from obviously costume libraries by the wedding team. But they only had four days to find a dress that would fit both Catherine and Ellen. Sorry, Katie. Um, And there's the reason that you see Meredith wear it in the previous episode and not at all in this one is because there were tailor alterations between when Meredith wore it on screen in a previous episode and Catherine wore it in this episode. Sorry, Katie. Yeah, I was like, wow. I love it. And I'll you are both stunning it. women. But like, yeah. that dress would not fit you. It just simply would not. I, no. No in all shade. the right ways. All I the right ways. Dislike, no tea, no shade. I do yeah. dislike the dress. I don't it's like the drop style. waist big I feel mermaid. Like, it's very I feel like with it like looked, sparkle, but yeah. See, I feel like it looked better on Meredith. But I think it's because for me, a drop waist... Um, looks better on someone who has less curves like because mm-hmm. it's like designed to kind of al- give the illusion of like more shape and because Ellen Pompeo is so petite I think it looks great on her versus like someone with Katherine Heigl I would have gone more like A-line or even like really mm-hmm. fitted like a tr- like a, not a drop waist but a true mermaid because she's got such stunning curves but yeah, that's <clears> just yeah me. she does <laughs> this that's what put Izzy Stevens through med school Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I let her put me through med school, if you know what I mean. Um, I okay. want to just... <laughs> um, the only thing that I want to point out, and we, we didn't touch on it, is there's a really great scene with Callie and Mark before uh, everything kind of comes to a head with Arizona. Um, no, when, when he's like, dude, like, just tell oh, her. You like, should tell just her tell what's her. Up. And yeah. she goes, suck it, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then he just kind of like disappears into the void. But I just, every time I see those two together, I just really appreciate their friendship and mm-hmm. who they are as their people. chemistry. It's so, they it have is, it. They we have said, do. oh, they have it. Uh, we have said multiple times that, that, that Callie is at the center of all, just so many of my favorite relationships on this show. Mm-hmm. I loved Callie and Addison. I love Callie and uh, Mark. I really appreciate uh, when Callie and Bailey are together, when Callie and Christina are together. There's so many good relationship dynamics. Callie and Han, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's just one of those things where, like, uh, what's what's uh, their, their, their name in real life? Sarah Ramirez. Sarah Ramirez. Sarah Ramirez. When it's just the the way that Sarah brings out so much dynamic dynamic acting to every one of their scenes, it's very mm-hmm. impressive. So I just wanted so, to call back on that because I love I love them two together. So their chemistry is of a higher caliber than the rest of the actors. Shut the fuck up! That was oh, great. Podcast over, everyone. Thanks for coming. <laughs> just kidding. That's not how uh, that works. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's not too far off. Yeah, um, that was that was very Carmen, and I can't have two of you. 
So, um, <laughs> oh no. Man. Okay, listeners, if this is my last chance, listen to my sister Mimi view it anywhere where podcasts are found. And join our Patreon to get the super secret special Marvel feed where I go on about film lighting for 45 minutes at a time. How do they um, get the film lighting in space? I don't understand that. It's not real, but also light can oh. travel in space. You know that, right? Light, that's how the sunlight seen- gets here. I've but seen the Star sound Wars, is all trust fake. me. It's all perfect. <laughs> um, I'm in all right. space right now. Uh, um, okay. I think it's that time, but Kelsey. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, stop. you can find stop. us. Stop. Oh, my God. We need to rank. Not done? We do oh, we need to, to rank. rank. And you should probably predict some stuff. Yeah. Well, I predicted um, one thing so already. So I'm going to give this one a five because yeah. specifically, like, all the callbacks to, like, previous things and just, like... I think it does so well what it set out to do and just like encapsulates what Grace was and what Grace is. Uh, and I love it. And I think it was just so perfectly executed, um, both acting, writing, lighting, costumes, set design, choreo, like all of it is just perfect. The performances are all spot on. It balances, you know, this wedding with like this really heavy day at the hospital. And I just, it's, you know, it's just peak Grace. It's really great. Yeah, I for me, I I wanted so bad to not give it a five. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't at the beginning of this when we were recording. I didn't think I would give it a five. I thought I would give it like a four and a half. But like the more we talk and like the more we recognize like what it has done and what it is is like I'm just like it has to be like there's no I way was, it's not. I was prepared to give it a four point nine, and I was like, there's mm-hmm. there wasn't there was I don't know. I felt like there was something missing, but the more and more I'm sitting here watching it and like, I'm sitting here thinking like, we just had two entire episodes that could have been episodes on their own, like mm-hmm. in, in real grace. Yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. you could have had an episode where it was just an eight car, eight person crash death episode. And mm-hmm. you could have had an episode where it was just about Izzy getting married. Yeah. And that I think just is a testament because w- to the to the writers and the actors because I didn't watch this episode feeling drained while watching it, uh, and I think also like there was some pretty intense medical stuff. A girl was fucking almost severed <laughs> in she half. She was cut in half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you you had some just great scenes from George. You had the the goosebump moment with uh, Izzy and Christina. You have a good full circle moment with Callie and Christina. You've got. Or uh, Cali and um, uh, Arizona. You got a lot of things that really work well in this episode. So, yeah, it's, it's for me a five. Uh, Megan, round it out for us. I'm going to set a precedent, listeners, and let you know that I'm only coming back for episodes I already think are fives. <laughs> do you know what? Oh, Either well, let's fives not do that. Or ones. Fives or ones. And oh, Kelsey okay. can never right. tell we'll Carmen find, when I'm coming and he'll be surprised I will every time. just find the worst episodes to invite Kelsey, Megan there's back a to. One, there's a one-ranked episode that I think you and I have already talked about. I am certain we have. I would oh, love boy. to be there for that. But, uh, you know, this this one is a five for me. It's, it's the dream team of uh, Shonda, Rob Korn, and, and Susan Vale. It's the music's on, the costuming's on, the lighting is great. Mm-hmm. And they just told so many stories. I cannot believe this was only one episode and not a two part. I know. It's yeah. crazy. So official prediction, Izzy dies and Derek and Meredith get married in the season finale. That's, that's, I'm, I'm, I cannot stress this enough. I will not be shaken. This will happen. I'm going to be right. Uh, 
Also, I have to keep Alicia on her toes. So this is an official prediction. Derek and Mark die in the exact same episode in the exact same car crash. Okay. Um, also, anything... <laughs> homoerotic. <laughs> anything uh, with Christina and Owen? Christina and Owen are... So I think the rest of the season is going to be all around Owen's therapy. Mm-hmm. But... Owen and Christina don't get together again until episode four of season six by episode four, season six. Here's the tea. There are two episodes left in this season. And I found out today that they actually aired together, which I do Mm -hmm. not remember because I know I watched them live and I do not remember it being two parts, but um, so I don't know what next week is going to look like. I don't know if we're going to be doing two a day or watching them separately. I really don't know. So we will see in a week what we we'll have done. We'll figure <laughs> it out. We'll figure it out. Um, so yes. Um, but now can I do the other thing? Yes, you can do the other <laughs> okay. thing now. Thank you guys so much for listening. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I am thrilled that we have successfully had a guest who knows our podcast so well and spoiled nothing. Nothing. And um, it was, um, you did amazing. We are that so glad caught. to have you. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Is, she is currently messaging Carmen every single plot point. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can email us grazeacademypod at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the things at Grace Academy Pod. My social is chaotically Kelsey. Carmen's is carmen.gabriel.official. And Megan is third child art. Um, check out her podcast. My sister made me view it. Check out Star, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. Where, what is that on? Is that streaming oh, that's on, on Paramount Plus? Uh, but Paramount I, Plus. Okay, that's I right need on. to state that I am not here officially representing that show in any no, no, capacity. No, no, just I'm just a it. fan. <laughs> but also yes. just watch some yeah, episodes. Just watch it. Uh, <laughs> go on Megan's IMDb and then watch specific episodes to correlate. Um, Are you guys Camp Cretaceous fans? Did we talk about that? Oh my God. Megan. Megan. Yes. The first yes. time you messaged me, I like went to your profile and saw Cramp Cretaceous and it was Michael and I had just been like three seasons and I was like, Michael, oh she worked on Camp Cretaceous. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. All right. Listen, I did a lot on Camp Cretaceous, but like there are two episodes that are actually career highlights for <gasps> me. I did the, the Pteranodon monorail chase. That was all me. <gasps> and Stop. I did the scene. That was like with a Yaz. very stressful cartoon for me. Thank you. <laughs> no uh, spoilies. Do you know what? Fun story. Um, I drew some of it so intense that the network is like, can you tone this down? This child looks like he's <laughs> going to kill himself. And I was like, oh, fine, if I have to. Yeah, I was, um, I was and pressed then that episode. Also, all pressed the scenes of Yaz racing the Scorpius Rex. That, yes, I that am going to go my, wake yeah. Michael up now and explain that to him. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we are going to go because Carmen has to be up in like an hour to go to work. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. Please share us on all the things with people. Um, please leave us ratings and reviews. And if you see Carmen walking down the street, just remember no spoilies. Don't think about it. Don't dream about it. Don't put it into the world. Like you're manifesting it. Don't even do it. And we will see you all in the next one.